standard issue for all women. Welcome to the Sunday Chops. This week I'm chatting to the very, very excellent Sarah Clemenson from CARA, which is the Centre for Action on Rape and Abuse in North Essex. They're a Colchester-based charity, which is local to my neck of the woods, Harwich, where we'll be performing on the 30th of June at a sort of in-conversation-y type event. It's going to be me, Mickey, Hannah, and the very brilliant Alison Inman from the Charters Institute for Housing, who you've heard on our podcast before, and also the very, very excellent Jess Fosterkew, who, as you will know, has been on the podcast many times and is a fantastic comedian. So it should be a laugh. Also, we are going to take the opportunity to raise a little bit of money for Cara. And so we decided to go and have a natter with Sarah and find out what it's all about. What do they do? Why they do it? As always, we did get sort of, you know, lost in a few other topics of conversation. We chatted about the Me Too campaign. We chatted about Harvey Weinstein. We chatted about Beyonce, for goodness sake. I mean, it will make more sense in context, but it was an absolutely excellent chat. If you'd like to come to that show in Harwich, please do get tickets. It's, you know, for anyone in the sort of North Essex or South Suffolk. Don't know. Geography is not really that on point, if I'm honest. But, you know, in the Suffolky bits as well. Have a look at our events listings. They're on Sarah's website. You can find those at www.sarahmillican.co.uk forward slash standard hyphen issue. And you can find information there about all of our very, very excellent shows. That's it for me. Have a listen. And yeah, I hope that you find it possibly not enjoyable, but at least interesting. I'm here with Sarah Clemenson, the manager of CARA, which is the Centre for Action on Rape and Abuse, a charity that will be raising some money for a forthcoming in-conversation gig at the Mighty Harwich Festival. More details on that coming up. So can you tell me a little bit about how you came to exist and why you came to exist and, and what the need for CARA is? Yeah, Sakara was formed um, 29 years ago now by a group of amazing women that there was a lack of services in the Colchester area. So they decided to start their own and it was literally started in a broom cupboard of an old hospital and has grown steadily since then. So today we're, we cover North and Mid-Essex, so we've really expanded the reach of our work. So we offer specialist one-to-one counselling support, we offer advocacy support and ISFA service, which is support through the criminal justice process, as well as social groups and other kind of holistic and creative activities. So it's, yeah, we're kind of, in those 29 years, it's been amazing to see the development so when you say support through the legal service, do you mean so if you were involved in a case against someone? Or no, so that's if um, if a one of our service users has decided to report what's happened to right. them to the police, mm-hmm. um, we can offer independent um, specialist support, so that's help navigating that criminal justice system. Mm-hmm. We can also do informed choice um, sessions with people who may be not sure whether to report or not that decision is obviously always left up to that individual but we can kind of 
give them an idea of what that if they do decide to report what the process is likely to be it's really important to recognize that sexual violence is a gender-based crime it it happens and can happen to anyone but the vast majority of our clients 91 percent are female so it that does really underline the the gender-based nature we have a quarter of our clients who are young people so in the 18 to 24 bracket that's quite a um, large proportion of our client group and over the last few years our referrals are are rising steadily last financial year to our centre we receive 1,214 referrals. We now regularly receive over 100 referrals a month. We work in partnership with the two other rape crisis centres in Essex. So across Essex, in the last quarter alone, we had over 3,000 referrals. So it's a huge number of people accessing our services. The challenge for rape crisis centres generally is to protect our specialism. We've all been working in this field for decades now and to um, it's really important that specialism is recognised and but in terms of funding it's really tricky to keep maintaining the funding to to not just keep the services going but we need to grow we need you know the demand far outweighs what we're able to provide so all centres need to grow and to be given that financial stability to be able to do so it's really difficult at the moment in all sectors but in terms of commissioning models and absolutely and so that that's really impacting on on centres generally how is the legal system for so we find that nationally just to tell you um, Cara is also a member of Rape Crisis England and Wales, so we're part of a network of specialist support services around the country. We're all completely autonomous, but we've got that kind of umbrella support and support between centres. So we, it also means we can collate national statistics, which is really important. Sexual violence is an area that is otherwise, um, there's not a huge amount of data on. We've discovered that nationally around 20% of our service users choose to report to the police. So that's the vast majority never report, Mm. which can be for a variety of different reasons. In Essex last year, 12% of reported rapes made it to court. Oh my goodness. So it's... So 20% reported and then 12% of the 20% actually made it as far as court. And 6% resulted in a conviction. We, we work really closely with Essex Police on um, those statistics and where improvements can be made. It's also looking at the criminal justice system in general. There's a lot of improvements that could be made for sexual violence cases. That we work with other rape crisis centres to try and gain a bit of momentum and to work on campaigns to make those changes. But it's a really complicated justice system to try and provoke change. The statistics that I remember seeing from rape crisis, I think, is something like one in five women between the age of, I think it's 16 and 59 or something like that, experience sexual violence in their lifetime. And that, I assume, is just reported. Yeah, referrals that come into CARA are growing year on year and that's reflected nationally as well. So more survivors are accessing our services, which is absolutely fantastic. But we're really aware that we reach 
you know a tiny percentage of survivors out there and I think that's the really worrying thought that there's a lot of survivors who just aren't aware that there are specialist support services out there and that can be to work through experiences or clients may come to us and never actually speak about what's happened to them. When survivors come in here, what sort of impacts do their experiences have on their lives? A huge range of impacts and there can be really short-term impacts um, or long-term impacts. The majority of our service users are survivors of childhood sexual abuse, so they may have actually lived with that experience for many years and something has come to a point where they feel ready to to seek support services. And they will obviously be living with a whole range of long-term impacts and effects of that sexual violence. For more recent events, there's then a, a different range of impacts that that person, that individual will be living with. So we're really here to listen and to everything is really kind of focused on what is right for that individual. You said that like, the number of people coming to you year on year is increasing. Is that because there is an increase in cases or just, or do you think it's because the situation is improving in terms of survivors feel more able Mm. to come forward we would say it's down to an increase in awareness of sexual violence i think that it's an area that has historically just really not been spoken about and that's still true today to some extent it's a very difficult crime to acknowledge and the impacts of acknowledging that are far-reaching and i think that high-profile cases have really helped survivors to realise that it isn't just them that's experienced this and how far-reaching those affected by sexual violence are and have encouraged them to come forward and seek support. It's difficult to say if there's an increase in the actual incidence of sexual violence. I'd be inclined to say no. It's it's that this has always been, a, unfortunately, a really endemic crime and it's, it is people being feeling in a place to mm-hmm. to come and seek support and being aware that there are support services out there the me too campaign we've yeah. seen quite recent sort of in response to all the allegations in hollywood about um, harvey weinstein and i wonder because there is you know an element of kind of shame attached to sexual violence mm-hmm. for for the victims of sexual violence obviously quite unfairly so But what kind of impact does that have? What does that mean to someone to sort of see, like, you know, a movie star or Mm -hmm. someone who appears to have a whole world at their disposal coming forward and saying, actually, this has happened to me as well? Yeah, I think there's there's a whole load of myths surrounding sexual violence. There's a whole load of victim blaming around sexual violence. And I think that they're really ingrained in society. I think high-profile campaigns like Me Too have potentially helped victims and survivors to realise that it isn't just them. And I think as society wider that this can happen to absolutely anyone. It's not a certain segment of society that these crimes happen to. can happen to anyone. We notice that whenever there's high-profile media coverage of cases we have a spike in our referrals. So it it does impact on people, something happening that people recognise that 
there this is something that's talked about there are support services but yeah so i think it the me too campaign is really positive anything that encourages society widely to talk about sexual violence and acknowledge its existence acknowledge its reach is is really positive I felt at the time when this was happening that a lot of people, as well as the ones saying, I'm absolutely heartbroken to see all of your experiences, you know, kind of laid bare, quite a lot of people saying, well, you know, pat on the arse or whatever is not the same as as rape. Those experiences, Mm. though, they're still important, right? They still contribute? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. There's, There's a whole spectrum of sexual violence under its broad umbrella term and you know that pat on the bum or a a grope in a club is is part of that conversation no one's equating that to a violent rape but there it's part of the picture of misogyny of ingrained patriarchal views on women and it's it reflects how women are viewed in society. And I think I completely agree that as women, there's a certain, we grow up with this stuff, that we're, you know, we have all sort of strategies around this stuff. I think for men, it felt like that was a bit of a watershed kind of moment of them sort of waking up, or a lot of males I know waking up and actually having that conversation with female friends or family members or whoever and just that this does happen to us as women that there were also a lot of debates around you know how can someone be equating a a tap on the knee to other forms of sexual violence and it's about exactly it's exactly that it's about that power dynamic it's about manipulation coercive behavior control and and the situation within which those that's happening that behavior is happening so i think it it was uncomfortable for a lot of people and it and it makes people wonder about their own behaviors in the past i think which you know could that they may not have recognized as being inappropriate and it kind of draws attention onto that which yeah can be difficult yeah absolutely i mean i had a i had a conversation with one of the places i freelance at with a male colleague there there'd been something, I think it was the Graham Norton show, and Adam Sandler was on it, and I actually can't remember who the female actress was, um, but he kept putting his hands mm. on her thigh uh, during the interview, and there was a big hoo-ha she about kept it. She kept moving, moving it, it, and there was a big hoo-ha about it afterwards, and, and my male colleague wanted to know, did I think it was, you know, did I think Adam Sandler was out of order? And I said, yes. And he was a bit bemused by it, and I said, well... You know, I don't. I don't think that means Adam Sanders a rapist. I think. I don't think he means any harm by it. I think he has quite absent-mindedly done that. But mm. doesn't it tell you something about the fact that he that absent-mindedly like that's okay? Yeah. That's quite. That's quite intimate, actually. Sort of yeah. putting your hand quite yeah. high up on someone's thigh. It's yeah. quite an intimate gesture. And I sort of said to him, you know, unless you are in a relationship where it's explicitly clear that that's accepted between you then, yeah, I think that says an awful lot about male entitlement, that Absolutely. that was just okay to him. And he was a bit, uh, I was like, I'll put, it, I'll put it this way to you. Would it be weird if you put your hand on my thigh now? And he was like, yes, that would be really weird. I was like, right, 
okay, so that is basically what, what you've just seen. Yeah. So yes, that is, that's weird, right? And I think it was a real kind of like, oh, actually, yeah, no, that would be totally unacceptable for me to do that to you. And I think a lot more of those kind of conversations have happened, I think. Absolutely. And I think it's interesting that there around the same time I think there was then the real focus on equal pay and it's it seems to be part of a bigger dialogue as well about women and equality and that's really good that we're having those discussions but but as long as something of consequence comes out of them and it's not just sort of simmers away and we move on to the next thing it feels that there needs to be action which is kind of I don't know Harder to see when the leader of the free world is is one of them, but uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah. but how how are we in a place that that's acceptable? That that Absolutely. you know a yeah. a president has there's kind of you know all sorts yeah. of allegations there, and it, it kind of just seems to be ticking along. Like there's there's no spotlight on that. Yeah. How are we in that time and? There's plenty of amazing activists and mm. people trying to keep up the momentum and, and put the spotlight back on that situation. We met um, Laura Bates for Everyday Sexism not that long ago uh, for the podcast. You can listen to that interview, uh, by the way, cheeky plug there. And she told us about a lot of work she does in schools. Mm-hmm. And she was talking to us about the increase in rapes and sexual violence within the public education system. And, you know, chatting to a lot of young men in schools mm-hmm. about consent and, and things like that. And, and she told us about a case in which... A young man had raped a young woman, they were both pupils in the school, and he was asked, why Why didn't you stop when, you know, when she was crying? And he said, because that means she likes it, because increasingly violent pornography and increasingly easy access to that. Yeah. Have you seen more younger people coming forward about things that are happening? So we have, in our counselling services, we have a child and family practice, a young person's practice and an adult's practice. So within our young person's practice, we do go into schools and do workshops on consent and healthy relationships. We do a lot of advocacy for um, our service users who are in that young person's age bracket on their education situation um when that incident has the perpetrator is in their class um it's really important how the school handles that sometimes they handle it excellently sometimes it is unfortunately the case that that pupil is the perpetrator it remains in the classroom and it's n- then the survivor who has to move schools that's outrageous absolutely so we do a lot of work around that um to obviously try and have that not as a situation in terms of the porn and um, violence of porn it inevitably has an impact Um, it sets the norm and what is normal is unfortunately as porn has become more easily shared and more violent it's the parameters have just completely changed from when I was you know I I'd find it really difficult being a a young woman now. I think it's Mm. the expectations of what's normal are just 
unimaginable really we certainly have had clients who have experienced that um and it's i know there's new government controls coming out later this year in terms of under 18s and accessing porn i think it's really good there's steps but it's not so gonna <laughs> exactly yeah and and also kids are gonna get around to it you know it's yeah. it's i mean they have it's exactly 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 yeah so i think it there needs to be more work on the education side of things because mm. you know that exists and unless the whole porn industry becomes more strictly regulated that's going to exist so we need to be doing more work on working with young people and talking really openly Mm. about healthy relationships and and porn and consent the key is consent and we've found Um, that uh, there's somewhere the understanding of what that means has become lost Mm. and it's yeah it's really interesting the work we do in schools around that and the comments and probably some of them the kids are designed to provoke or to kind of be a bit controversial but there's a lot of underlying yeah misunderstanding around Mm. consent when you think about the numbers of cases of you know one in five and that women apparently Mm. and that is just the reported cases yes that's a staggering staggering amount and and then you look around at your male friends and you think but you're not all predatory rapists. Absolutely, so like, how yeah. is this how is this happening? But I think a lot of it is we don't talk to young men about what consent means. We don't really have that discussion. And I genuinely think that a lot of them don't know yeah. what is or isn't acceptable because, you know, as you as you said earlier, it's so the misogyny and and it's so endemic in society. Yeah. And that's absolutely has an impact how women are viewed and you know porn images completely back that up how women are viewed and objectified is filtering down to not just young people though that's that's how you know adult men Mm. not all adult men obviously but a lot of adult men are seeing women and it's we need to it's a huge issue that we need to be tackling in society what do you think we what do you think we can do about that? Mm. <laughs> it's really difficult. I think it is, in terms of young people, it's education. And it, and it, that should start in primary school in, in an age-appropriate way um, to introduce those um, thoughts around appropriate touch and appropriate um, relationships and healthy relationships from a young age. But also in terms of the how gendered stuff is and we need to start breaking down that kind of this is a girl's thing this is a boy's thing from a really young age and it's i think that that's got more so you know it's um yeah i would agree with that i think we've gone backwards in yeah that respect. absolutely and so i think that you know that could be tackled within schools as well but it's not putting everything on organizations i think it's got to be a responsibility of parents of how you bring up your kids and how you um you know don't kind of narrow things down Mm. for them um encourage an equal household and encourage you know freedom of expression and um talk about stuff don't kind of try and shelter your children from things 
What about media and the role of... So one of my big things that I always bang on about is like music videos, for example, but I think it's wider than that. It's advertising and it's like... It's the consumption of media that is made through the male gaze, I think. Yeah. So like, so I see like an advert for like a MAC lipstick or something and it's like Miley Cyrus in her knickers, you know, yeah. looking sexual and it's kind of like... That's supposed to be, for me, like, yeah. that's supposed to encourage me to go and buy a MAC lipstick because I'm a woman with a disposable income and whatever, like, I'm, I'm your target audience, so yeah. why, are you, why are you advertising to me with, like, a semi-naked woman, like, because you want me to I guess it's aspiration, yeah, yeah, like, that's supposed to be aspirational, and I can rationalise that because I'm 35 and, like, you know, thought about it extensively. Yeah. Um, but if you're a young woman, that's quite hard. Absolutely, yeah. And it's the, I think if you see, not to kind of focus on the music industry particularly, but if you watch anything where there's male performers and female performers, the male performers are in, I don't know, shirt and jeans or whatever, and the women are there in pants or a bra or whatever. And it's, again, it's creating that normalised view of of how a woman should be to be successful and it's it's really toxic and that needs to be balanced it it, it's become the normal and but I don't you know I've no idea Mm -hmm. where we start in addressing that and who who's responsible because it's you know it feels that those women are part of a cog that is a very male dominated industry and they're being you know that's how they dress to be successful in that industry it's more women in positions of power in all industries basically that's what you need isn't it um i guess i think in terms of you know the the only woman that i can think of in terms of that kind of real pop persona would be adele who doesn't conform Mm. to that kind of aesthetic of I can't really think of any others that at some point haven't no. been in bra and pants. I mean, it's well. Do- my love of Beyonce is well documented, but um, but yeah, she's always in her pants. I know that's a tricky one as well because she's spoken a lot about feminism and about having control of her image. She is, but still seems to be playing into that. But then I suppose it's about choice, isn't it? It's kind of I think I think the way I'm able to justify <laughs> it with fiance is that I feel like it, I think when you see some people, you feel a bit like maybe you didn't make that choice, maybe you are, and but she has, you know, she does have control of her own public mm. image, and and you know, if you want to wear your pants, you should be able to wear Absolutely. your pants. But like, you know, I guess it's. It's getting down to as long as that is free choice, yeah. and if that's free choice, yeah. amazing. Like all power it, to you. Yeah. But um, it, yeah, it would be great though if there were kind of a few more other options for maybe yeah. young women to kind of not feel that that's what they had to do to kind of succeed yeah. in a certain area. It's definitely worse than it was when I was a kid. Like I definitely feel like. People wore more clothes. When I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> isn't everyone free. just really cold at the moment? Like, I know. Really Do you know what I thought that the other day? I saw a group of. This is how I knew I was old. <laughs> a group of like young women. I reckon they were probably about seventeen, eighteen. Walked past me on a Saturday night. I'd been to Waitrose to buy some dinner, and I was walking home because that's how banging my Saturday nights <laughs> are these days. 
and this like gaggle of girls walked past me and I just thought my instant like my instinctive reaction was you must be so cold <laughs> and I was yeah. like I'm old oh now. yeah yeah okay <laughs> that's obviously yeah but again like you know amazing if if that's something that they feel really confident and empowered by and comfortable wearing mm. but it's really tricky to then unpick that from the um kind of views yeah. that are kind of put upon how much of that how, is expectation yeah, exactly. and how exactly. much of it is yeah yeah and, and it then gets really difficult picking that apart i yeah. think but and it you know it's not as for me for a 35 year old to pass judgment on that but it's it's part of a wider problem i think what can people do if they've experienced sexual violence what kind of help is available for them and also what can you do to help someone who you think or know has been a victim of sexual violence so if you have experienced sexual violence yourself the first thing is to remember you're not alone that you are in no way to blame for this that it's not your fault and that there are people out here who are completely independent specialists who are here to listen to you, who will believe you, who will are just here to offer whatever services may be what you require at this time. If it's something that's happened really recently, try and get yourself safe. If there is a friend or family member that you feel comfortable and able to talk to, then give them a ring or, or ask to see them just to share that with them but d if you don't have anyone like that in your life or don't feel comfortable talking to someone there is a national rape crisis helpline the numbers on the rape crisis website on there you can also find your nearest rape crisis center so you can look up that information and give that individual center a call in terms of if you're supporting someone it's really important to listen and to let them talk and to be really patient as well. Some people will find it quite easy to speak about what's happened to them. Some people might be quite disjointed from what's happened or some people might find that incredibly hard. And actually, if they've chosen to speak to you about it, they're placing real trust in you. So be respectful of that. Don't ever tell them what to do don't you know you you don't know how you would act in that situation our brain has many different coping strategies and that are beyond our control of of how we react in certain situations so don't put your own expectations onto someone however they've reacted has been what is right for them to get them out of that situation safely remember that it's not their fault and believe them they're really the most important thing so Never ask them why they did that or why they didn't do this or why they didn't tell anyone sooner um, and don't judge them. Also remember to look after yourself as well. It can be really difficult hearing about things in this nature. If you need support yourself, you can call confidentially, again, the Rape Crisis National Helpline and they can offer you confidential support around that. But don't break that person's confidence. Don't go talking to another friend mm -hmm. or family member unless you have their permission to do so. What can people do to help you? Other centres such as this? Yeah, I mean, it's so um, if you are thinking of 
setting yourselves a challenge and want to find a charity to kind of support through that it'd be amazing if you considered a rape crisis center as i say there is a list on um, the rape crisis website of centers in your area um if you would like to donate anything it doesn't have to be money it could be time or you might want to get involved in the activism side of stuff then I'm sure again any centre would be welcome would really welcome that um, we're in the process of setting up an activism group um, because a lot of our um, service users after they've kind of gone through the process and finished with our support services feel really empowered to um, and they really want to do something which is amazing and I think we all feel like that that we want to go out and shout about stuff and get a bit kind of like angry and yeah. you know passionate about stuff so we're in the process of setting up an activism group um we're looking to run um the first reclaim the night in essex this year so yeah again if anyone want to get involved in that that'd be amazing but just to help speak about sexual violence to make it visible it's quite a hidden crime and we want to kind of be out there and making people understand how many people this impacts on so yeah if you want to come and get a bit shouty with us and get in touch Another bit of shouting. Yeah, so, I know. <laughs> where can we find you on the internet? So our website is www.caraessex.org.uk and Rape Crisis is rapecrisis.org.uk. And you are on the Twitter? We are on the Twitter. We are at Cara Essex. So, yeah, come and say hi and, um, yeah make contact excellent thank you so much Sarah that's all right no problem thanks for having us